Our scripture this morning is from Isaiah 56, 1 through 8. Thus says the Lord, keep justice and do righteousness, for soon my salvation will come and my righteousness be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this and the son of man who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath, not profaning it, and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant. I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be his servants. Everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called the house of prayer for all peoples. The Lord God, who gathers the outcasts of Israel, declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. Thank you. Well, good morning. You know, Adrian, I was thinking that we should, uh, we should worship backwards like that all the time. And primarily for those who try to sneak in late uh, to church service. So I'm thinking uh, you'll be uh, known uh, very clearly. No, we don't keep count, really. Video cameras. I, uh, I've really enjoyed watching the Olympics this year. And um, I think I've shared with you that we have, um, we have a student living with us, Jong uh, Ho Lee, Eric. He goes by his American name. He's from South Korea. And so it's been really fun uh, just, again, enjoying the Olympics and, and sharing it with him. And, and uh, what, one of my favorite times in watching the Olympics this year was uh, watching our women's hockey team. Uh, unbelievable. And if you stayed up uh, late like I did, uh, that game was just right down to the wire. Ended up going overtime and then a shootout. And we got it. We got the final in the shootout. Won the gold. And uh, what a celebration. Just amazing. I found myself here at midnight cheering, cheering and loudly. And I think I woke up, woke up a lot of people. And it was just exciting. But the... Um, the thing I was doing, I was doing a little research on the team and just kind of who they were about and their stories. And what you hear from every one of the beautiful women on that team is, you know what? When we were little girls, we watched the 1998 women's team who won the gold. That was the last time we won the gold. And as little girls, we realized that we wanted that. We wanted to strive towards that. And so began the journey at age really like three, four, five, I mean, very young. We're going to start training because we're going to attain the goal. We're going to go for gold. And so they were living now in the moment for what would come years later. 
They were striving and training and pursuing what would be to come, the glory in the end. And that's what I think Isaiah 56 is bringing to us this morning. Learning to live now in light of the truth about then, about what will come. Our Lord will heal the nations. Our Lord will restore creation. Our King of Kings is coming back. I love singing that song this morning about what we believe. And He is our resurrection. And He is coming back. And we will rise with Him. And so to let us live now in light of then. Let's pray for that this morning. Father, I just thank you for your goodness. I thank you for the truth that you rose again. I thank you for the truth that you died on the cross for our sin, that you defeated sin and death and that you rose again, and that you are coming back, Father. And we want to live now, Father, in light of that truth of then, of what is to come. And empower us and help us Would you pour your Holy Spirit upon us that we may live and follow you and live in relationship with you. We thank you that all of us who are your children, who believe in you, all of us can come to the table. All of us can come into your presence. And so I pray that you will stir us this morning, Father, in your beautiful word and in your truth. Amen. So this chapter that we're getting into, 56 through 66, uh, it's the final section of Isaiah. It's, it's broken out into three different sections, and now we enter into the final section of people who are brought out of exile, out of Babylon, and how to live now that you're being brought back in to Zion, how to live as a people, and what that looks like for us. In, in chapters 40 through 55, and Jackson the last three weeks has really done a beautiful job in, in bringing us the truth about our promised Messiah. That there is the perfect servant who's coming, the promised one. He will suffer for our sins. And God's promises in that perfect servant, they were kept in Jesus Christ. Our salvation, our restoration. Here's what John 1.14 says. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Remember, Isaiah prophesied about this thousands and thousands of years before. Living now in light of then. He dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. Glory as, his, as the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. There is renewal. There is revival as hearts are turned to Jesus. It is this changing of the heart that changes us as a people. It is this changing of the heart as we, as we wrestle in this broken nation. It is the changing of hearts that will change the nation. Not all kinds of new laws. We need to bring God back into the picture. That's the only thing that will change our hearts. And God is doing this work. In this third section, we are brought to a place of living in hope as we wait. And we should wait in active, active expectation. 
of the fullness of God's coming kingdom. And I don't want you to miss that. It's not just a waiting of, this will be great someday, but like the team, we are going to go into training and we're going to go into practice because we long for what is to come, for the glory that is to come. And so how do we live now in light of then? Let's look at 56 together. This is what the Lord says. Maintain justice and do what is right. For my salvation is close at hand. And my righteousness will soon be revealed. You know, the reality of today is there's so much unrighteousness. There's so much wrongdoing. There's so much brokenness and corruption. And sticking with the Olympic theme... One of, the, one of the things that was really uh, uh, paid attention to this year because of, of the 2014 Olympics was, listen, we have, we have all of these, uh, these athletes who are training, uh, and especially in, in ice skating. And what happened is, in, in the prior Winter Olympics, is the Russian skater skated and... Uh, uh, Yuna Kim was supposed to, she was the favored one. And she was supposed to win the whole thing, and she had a great performance. But the Russian skater skated, and she had a really good performance as well. But here's what happened after the Russian skater skate. She got off the, off the rink. She went, and she went and gave a big hug to the Russian judge, who was married to the head of the skating federation for Russia. And all of a sudden, it was like, What? What just happened? The optics of that whole scene of here I am, the Russian skater, and I gave a hug to the Russian judge, and that person's married to the leader of the Russian Federation for Skating uh, for the Olympics. And you go, what just happened? And she won. She won the gold. There's corruption everywhere. Injustice, things that are done in a way that, that just are not just. And God is calling us to live as a people. He commands us, be a people of God that preserve, that keep, that guard carefully justice and doing what is right. Are we a people who preserve justice and do what is right? Why do we do this? Why, how can we live in this hope? Because he says this, soon... Soon, my salvation will come close. It's close at hand. The Hebrew language there, and this is really cool. Soon, Yeshua, it's a noun. Soon, Yeshua shall come. Joshua, ultimately, Jesus. Soon, Jesus shall come. Maintain justice. Live in righteousness. Live in doing what is good. Why? Because Yeshua, Jesus, is coming. He will be revealed. We live now in light of then. We live now in light of who our God is in our lives and what He's leading us to. Why do we guard justice and do what is right? Because it's the character of God. And we, as a people of God, are to reflect that. We're not to live just like the rest of the corrupt world lives, cheating to get by. 
We live in the character of God. Listen to Deuteronomy 10. For the Lord your God is the God of gods, and he is the Lord of lords. He is the great, mighty, and awesome God. And this God is not partial. He doesn't take bribes. He executes justice for the fatherless and for the widow. He loves the sojourner, giving them food and clothing. And so he says to his people, You too love the sojourner, because therefore you were sojourners in the land of Egypt, and you shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and hold fast to him, and by his name you shall swear. He is your praise. He is your God. He has done for you these great and terrifying things that your eyes have seen. And therefore, give him praise. Deuteronomy 10. Why do we live in a way that guards justice and does what is righteous? Because we've received that ourselves. And then now we are to live it out because it is who God is. How are people going to know God? unless we bring forth, as our lives have been changed, into the world who lives in a corrupt way to say, this is who God really is. There's so much injustice, and when we live this way, when we follow God in His justice and righteousness, it's this brilliant light. You need to understand that. It's a brilliant light pouring in. When you at work don't cheat the system, guess what? People start to notice that. Because everybody else is trying to get ahead, and they're usually cheating the system. But when you don't, God's glory is revealed. It's a shining light. Corruption everywhere. Again, we had it again in the Olympics this year, didn't we? And and of the craziest sport, the Russians, once again, were accused of doping for what? For curling, the curling team. I mean, of all things you're going to dope for, come on. Why do you need that for the curling team? Hey, way to go, America, by the way. They won curling. I know that's a big highlight for you guys. But there's corruption everywhere. And when we live contrary to that, here's the truth. When we live contrary to that, we can literally change lives forever as we infiltrate the community and the world. We can change lives forever. Martin Luther King Jr., when he stepped into Dexter Avenue Baptist Church in Montgomery, Alabama, in 1954, he delivered a sermon entitled, Transformed Nonconformists. Transformed Nonconformists. And here's what he said. I love this, this sermon. It's just a part of it. The Christian is called upon not to be like a thermometer, conforming to the temperature of a society, said King. But he must be like a thermostat, serving to transform the temperature of his society. I have seen so many wonderful white people who sincerely oppose segregation and discrimination, said King. But they never took a real stand against it because of fear of standing alone. 
Are you willing not to just stand, but are you willing to stand alone? It brings justice to the world and righteousness. And so a year later, on a chilly morning, December of 1955, on a busy street in the capital of Alabama, a 42-year-old seamstress who had heard King's teaching, she boarded a bus, a segregated city bus. And she went and she sat on the line just past the white section on the city bus. So here was the line. Everybody in front could be white and then became for the black people. She sat right at the line. And then as more and more white people came on the bus, they said, hey, we need room for more white people. Get up from your seat and move backwards. And Rosa Parks, in December of 1955, in a very kind and gracious way, said, no, I will not. Because... I live for what is righteous and just. She didn't come that day to all of a sudden be the leader of the civil rights movement. She came as one who was touched by Martin Luther King's sermon, by the word of God. She was a follower of Jesus. And she was empowered by the Holy Spirit that day to say, no, I And my fellow brothers and sisters here, we are valuable in God's sight. And so, no, I will not move. And she lived in justice. And that day transformed culture. You see, when we live in obedience to Christ, and we live counter what all of culture is doing in corruption and injustice, it brings forth this light of Christ into our community. You see, what... Rosa Parks did that day was the character of God. We are valuable. We are God's creation. And God is a just God. And so this day, I will sit. She knew it would be an incredible sacrifice, but she wasn't worried about her own security. And so she lived in the power of Christ. You know, as I was thinking about this chapter, and I was thinking about... What does it mean for us as a people to preserve justice and do what is right? What does that look like for us in Boise, Idaho? What does that look like in our daily journey? As God calls us as a people coming into the promised land, what does it look like to live it out? You know, it could be simple form like this, just obeying the laws of the land. That's doing justice and doing what is right that we actually follow the speed limit. You know, many of you, like me, have been uh, sent a message that says, hey, you get to be on jury duty. I would ask you to change your perspective a little bit on jury duty. We get an opportunity to preserve justice and do what is right as followers of Jesus Christ. We get to be part of our justice system. What a wonderful gift. What actually a wonderful honor to be part of that. And so I'd encourage you to just step into it and show up going, yeah! I get to sit in these plastic chairs all day long. And I'm going to bring justice. 
How about this? Just letting the cashier at the grocery store know that they didn't charge you enough for the missed item. That's just doing what is right. That brings forth godliness. And when they're like, no, no, it's okay. You know, it's it, all that. No. You didn't charge me. I need you to charge me. Because that's good. It's not good for your company. That brings forth justice and righteousness. You know, for some of you, it means getting involved in government. As followers of Jesus Christ, to get involved in government. And amen to you if you do. We need more followers of Jesus in government. And let God use you in that. Step into that. And let's bring forth his righteousness and justice in the middle of our government. I love it when we have followers of Jesus Christ really seeking after the Lord and trying to make the laws of the land. You know, one of the things for us just locally and in our presence is many of you know Nick and Laura Armstrong. They're our wonderful pastors who their primary ministry is to love up all these refugees that come into our city and figuring out ways to come along their side and let them know the love of Jesus. Local partners. Local outreach. I would encourage you, as you seek the Lord, to ask the Lord, Lord, is this something that you want me to step into? Because guess what? They're getting mistreated all over the place. Most of society could care less about them. And yet we have right in our midst a ministry dedicated to bringing forth justice, because trust me, they are mistreated. Bringing forth love, righteousness, doing good. And so ask the Lord, Lord, do you want me to be part of welcoming these refugees, coming alongside a family, and just bringing forth your love to them? That they may see your glory. It's bringing forth justice and righteousness. Maybe it's getting involved in human trafficking and all that's going on, like my friend Bonnie does as she goes over to the Philippines every year, several times. Any way that we would value humanity. Speaking for those who can't speak for themselves, children who are unborn, and dealing, entering into all that's going on with abortion in our world. Bringing forth justice and righteousness. Maybe God is calling you to that. I, I read about a beautiful church in New York City, in Buffalo. You know what they decided? They had a lot of people who were unemployed in their community. So on their church property, they decided this. You know what? We're going to build a subway shop, a sandwich shop. And the only reason we're doing it is so that we can hire all these people who don't have jobs and are longing for jobs. And so they did. They built a subway shop to do good and to bring righteousness. And, to, and, and again, they were really struggling, and they brought that to the table. I thought, that is so cool. As the Lord places on your heart, and this is really a work of the Holy Spirit, as the Lord places on your heart to respond to justice and do good, respond to it. Enter into it, whatever that area is. Listen to the Lord and what He's calling you to. And trust me, I know He's calling you to it because it's the character of God. And what we know is true is that it's a character of Christ, our Lord and Savior, and that His righteousness and His life is living through us. 
And so I know he's calling you to maintain justice and do what is right. And as you receive that from the Lord, I also want to encourage you in something else. Don't don't shame other people if they're not doing that with you. Invite them. Say, hey, I have a passion about this. Do you want to join me in this cause? Do you want to join me in, in this work? But if your brother or sister is involved in something else or or just doesn't have that conviction like you do, don't shame them for it. Do it. Do what God has called you to do. Invite others, and then let them be with their conviction before the Lord. Amen to that? But do justice. Do what is right. Because this is the character of God. And we will transform the world because of it. As His glory shines through. Blessed is the man who does this the Son of Man who holds it fast and who keeps the Sabbath, not profaning it, and keeps his hand from doing evil. Blessed is the man who does this. And I really pray that we as a body of Christ will do this as we follow the Lord. The second thing he says, and how do we live this out, is that the outcast is welcome. Let us be people who welcome the outcast, verse 3. Let not the foreigner who's joined himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. Let not the eunuch say, I'm just a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose the things that please me, who hold fast to my covenant. Thus says the Lord, they're going to be drawn in. They're going to be welcomed in. And so how do we as a people reflect that? You see, the foreigner and the eunuch were considered complete outcasts. The eunuchs who were were scarred, the eunuchs who were cut, were not welcome to come in and to worship. It wasn't because of a moral issue. It was was because of, of, of purity laws that were done. And because in their pagan culture, they were marked, they were cut, It didn't meet the purity laws of the day. And so they weren't welcome to come in. And now we're going to see an incredible work of God, how he's going to change that. So they were left out. The foreigners were left out. They weren't able to draw near to God as they wanted to. But now, says the Lord through the prophet, all of this is changing. Foreigners and eunuchs, all welcome the same way as everybody else. I love that about our God. He identifies real quickly what was keeping people out, and he steps in and he changes it so that all are welcome. There were people who, again, longed to come in. And he says, everybody's welcome to the table, so to speak. All those who keep the Sabbath, who hold fast to my covenant, those who basically choose to follow me, the outcast is welcome. Are we a people who welcome the outcast? Those who are different than us, those who don't look the same, those who we just kind of watch their lifestyle and we go, eh. Are we welcoming the outcast to the table? We're going to share the table this morning. What do you guys think about Lady Gaga? Truly, what do you think about Lady Gaga? Hopefully, maybe you know her. For those who are close, we call her Lady Gaga. (laughs) You know what? 
the reason I even ask the question is because Lady Gaga, who's one of the most popular figures of the day, especially on social media, literally one of the most followed people on social media, Lady Gaga considers herself a total outcast. She grew up as a total outcast. People mocked her and made fun of her just because she looked a little different. She wore eyeliner differently, wore too many earrings or something. But she was always considered an outcast. But here's what's interesting. Millions and millions and millions of people follow her today. She's put out 146 million singles. She's won six Grammys. She literally is one of the most popular people on social media. 39 million Twitter followers. 60 million Facebook followers. And people have done research on her. Why is she so popular? Why is the young generation following her like they are? And researchers say this, Lady Gaga has changed lives because she has said, welcome to the outcast. She's provided community to those who aren't loved by anybody else. She literally responds to those who send her notes about how she's changed their life. She invites in the outcasts, those who are socially unacceptable, and just says, you have a place here with us in our community. I don't care if you like Lady Gaga or not, but we are missing something as a church when we are not welcoming in the outcast. And when you go on to Google search and you type in something similar to Lady Gaga has changed my life, you're going to find over 4 million hits on that. Why? Because they say, Lady Gaga told me I'm valuable. Lady Gaga said, don't listen to those who are putting you down. Come, you're welcome here. And literally, Lady Gaga has changed my life. Are we a church that welcomes the outcasts? Who loves those who are the misfits? What does it look like for us to invite, to bring in, to welcome into our homes? See, God will gather the outcasts, foreigners and eunuchs and misfits. He's going to gather the outcasts of Israel. He's already gathering in. None are members of God's people by right. We're all outcasts brought in by grace. Take a look at Deuteronomy 7. We're all outcasts brought in by grace, even God's chosen people. We are loved by God, and he wants to bring us in. You know, Daniel, in the book of Daniel, he was probably a eunuch. We don't know for certain, but he was probably a eunuch. Welcomed in. This was fulfilled in Acts chapter 8, when the Ethiopian eunuch came And he was coming to worship God, and at the time he was welcomed in to come and worship. But he didn't fully know the scriptures, and Philip ran into him on the road and explained Isaiah to him and who the one who was to come was all about. Welcome the outcasts. Not only are they going to be welcome, but look at the blessing. I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name Better than sons and daughters, I will give them an everlasting name. It shall not be cut off. So we live now in light of them. We maintain justice and we do what is right. We welcome the outcasts. And he goes and he says, keep the Sabbath. Over and over again, it says, keep the Sabbath. Why? 
The Sabbath reflected, when we keep the Sabbath, and when we're ones who do this, this is what the people who are followers of God did. So when the foreigner steps into this, what he's saying is, I identify with Yahweh, with the Hebrew God. And so when he says, when you're ones who keep the Sabbath, he's saying, you're ones who have chosen to say, I will follow you, God, the real God. I will keep the Sabbath. An outward sign of our allegiance to the Lord. The Sabbath is a, is a recognition spiritually that, that we, we come to the Lord who is our rest. We trust Him for His provision. Not working on that day. He knows we all wrestle with, well, where is the money going to come in from? And He's saying, let me be your provision. Be a people of Sabbath. I hate that Chick-fil-A honors the Sabbath on Sundays. Because I like Chick-fil-A after church on Sunday. But you know what's cool about Chick-fil-A is not only do they honor the Sabbath, but they honor those workers. Hey, be at rest. You've worked hard. It's the character of God. Sabbath is we cannot fix it. It's God who does the work. While we rest. While we rest. God is at work restoring us. He is saving us. Listen to Ray Ortland Jr. He says this. Sabbath is faith enjoying the all-sufficiency of God. Faith feeling so loved by God that we rest from our own strategies and our own self-preservation and we live for Him. We're to be a people of rest, of Sabbath. And let me finish with this. These I will bring to my holy mountain and make joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. My house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel declares, I will gather yet others to him besides already those who have gathered. God is saying this. Everybody is going to be welcome to the table. Those who put their faith in me are welcome. The foreigner and the eunuch and all those outside, all of them are welcome and I invite them in. Will we be a people that do the same? Because it's the character of God. Back in the 80s in Santa Ana, California, this little church was starting up and a work of the Holy Spirit was happening. And what was happening is all these teenagers... Literally, a work of the Holy Spirit, who were surfers, were being invited to this church, and they were coming to hear the Word of God, and their lives were transformed by God. Literally, hundreds and hundreds were coming to the church to hear about Jesus, who they just thought was awesome. One day at this church, a sign was put in because they were surfers, they came in without shoes, and they came in without shirts, and they just came to worship God, coming right off the beach. And someone put a sign out front and said, uh, shirts and shoes, please. So the pastor of that church saw that sign, and basically he got rid of it. But then he went and met with the leadership and said, hey, listen, we've got all these hundreds of teenagers who are coming because they're drawn to Jesus. What do you guys think? And they decided as church leadership, you know what? Oh, here was the deal. Because there was little oil globulates on the beach, sand, they were tracking in little, little bits of oil into the church. 
And so it was, it was kind of getting stuff dirty. And so they were like, we can't have this anymore, some of the people. But the pastor met with the leadership of the church, and you know what they decided? They said, listen, we're going to tear out the carpet, we're going to get rid of the pews, and we're going to let these kids come in and worship God. We're not going to worry about the oil. And so began the movement of Calvary Chapel in Santa Ana, California, where literally thousands upon thousands of teenagers were welcomed to the table to receive the love of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, all are going to be called. It is a house of prayer for all. And Father, as we come to the table this morning, we're just reminded that your love is so amazing, that you invite the outcasts and the misfit and those who are broken, those who need you. And Father, I pray for any in this room this morning, if they've never received your love, Father, I pray that right now, and listen to me, dear, dear people, if you right now have never received the love of Jesus, just know he pours that out upon you, and you can receive it, and you can receive salvation. Just invite him in. Say, Jesus, come into my heart and change me. Make me new again. Forgive me for my sin, Jesus. Thank you for washing me clean. Jesus, be Lord of my life. If you have asked Jesus to come into your heart, then today you are saved. And today you're welcome to the table to partake in the table of the Lord, to remember his death on the cross and his, his death for us, for our sin. All are welcome. Lord, we love you. We acknowledge you as our Lord and Savior. Amen.